Jewish audio on Kaban.org. We now continue with <clears throat> Rambam, Hilchas Shabbos, Mishnah Torah, the laws of Shabbos, chapter 9. And again to review, in chapter 7, the Rambam, in a very orderly and meticulous way, identified and defined the 39 labors of Shabbos. In chapter 8, he began to describe some applications of those labors. And in chapter 9, which we're about to begin now, he continues with labor number 11 in chapter 7, <clears throat> which is baking. Ha'ofe, paragraph 1, a person who bakes. Kigregris, the minimum size of a dried fig, that's the minimum size one has to bake in order to be liable. Chayev is liable. Is it only bread? No. Whether one bakes bread, or one cooks food, or one cooks herbs, spices, or one boils water, they're all one. Baking, cooking, boiling, it's all the same. What's the minimum amount of water that one has to boil in order to be liable? In order to wash a small limb, that's the minimum amount. The toe of a newborn baby, that's a small limb. It's nothing smaller than a newborn baby. There's nothing smaller limb-wise than a toe. Bays to anasin beitza, bitzad hamecham, bishvil shetiskalgo, Here's an interesting scenario. A person takes an egg and places it next to a kettle so that it becomes slightly cooked. Tisgalgal is like mixing or becoming slightly cooked, which means there is no real heating source except it's next to the kettle, but it's cooking. The answer is, he's liable. Shamavashel betel desoor, because anyone who cooks with a derivative of fire, kimavashel ba'er it is as if he cooks with fire. So it's forbidden. Vechein, and so also, hamediach, someone who washes bechamen with boiling water, dogmaliach hayoshon, a salted fish that was sitting for more than a year. Today we have refrigeration. Back then they didn't have refrigeration. They had chemicals, salt. Salt was a preservative. If you salt the fish and it sits for a while, it becomes really, really done. Then you take some boiling water, pour it over it, it's edible. It's the end of the cooking process. A kelius ha'ispenin or soul which is a very thin, soft fish, and a little boiled water will cook it. Because just pouring the water over them, just washing them with water, is for them cooking. So it's cooking. Cooking is liable. 
Why do we have these examples? Because these things get cooked with a little uh, water. By pouring the water over them, by washing them with water. All other similar scenarios. Gimbal. What if somebody will break open an egg and place it in a very hot garment and will want to create an omelet? How will that happen? Because the, the garment is hot. Or in very hot sand. Let's say the sun was baking the sand. Or the dust of the roads when it's 120 degrees. You know what they say? It's so hot outside you can fry an egg on the sidewalk. Shehein chamin, which are heated, because of the sun. even though it becomes roasted, potter is exempt. Shetel because that which is derived from the heat, that which is accomplished by the heat of the sun, is not like fire. So, technically, biblically, it's permissible. Rabbinically, it's forbidden, which is why the term potter is used. As we learned earlier, what does potter mean? Potter, abol, oser. It's, he's, he's not liable, but it's forbidden. Abol, gozer, alein, but the decree was passed against these acts, because it's like a derivative of or a fire, or a similar thing, somebody cooks using hot springs of Tiberius, or similar hot springs, potter is exempt, it's not fire. But, rabbinically forbidden, here comes an interesting and very important statement. One who cooks food on the fire, that's already been completely cooked, so if it's already completely cooked, what are you cooking it for? Well, that's my business. But it's already cooked. Or you're cooking something that doesn't need to be cooked. Potter, he's exempt. Again, Potter, Abel, Osler. It's still forbidden. And here, we want to just point out that there is a principle called Ein Bishul, Achar Bishul. There's no cooking after cooking. So it's already been cooked, it's cooked, you can't cook it again. Nevertheless, one has to be very careful, and I'll just read a note here. This statement implies that until the food is completely cooked, one is liable for cooking. And this relates one of the points of difference between the Rambam and the Ashkenazic halachic authorities, who were cited earlier, and they maintain that since food is one-third or one-half cooked, it's fit to be eaten. That's the machel ben drusoy of that robber chief we talked about before. He ate things one-third or one-half cooked. There are leniencies with regard to the laws governing leaving food to warm on the Shabbos and returning food to a fire on the Shabbos if they were already cooked. Half cooked, a third cooked. And the Rajba even develops this view further and maintains that once food has reached this stage of being cooked, one is not liable for cooking it further. Not simple issues. Just pointing out information here. Dalid for Echad Nosanasoir. What if you have a situation where a bunch of people participate in creating this? Labor called cooking, one brought fire. 
The other brought wood. The other person brought wood, contributed wood. The other brought the pot. The other put the water. The other one put the meat. The other one put the spices. And then one guy came and mixed and stirred. They're all liable. And there's discussion here as to what is the key. But in simple terms, I believe the key is the flame was there. So the flame is there. Then comes the wood. The wood gets caught by the flame. Then comes the pot. It gets heated. Then comes the water. It gets heated. Then comes the meat, the, the spices, the mixing. So they're all doing violations. Anyone who does acts which are necessary for cooking, he's cooking. But here's a scenario where we'll say they're not liable. One put down the pot. What do you have now? A pot. The other scenario started with fire. Here you have a pot. Then a guy comes and puts water. What's the big deal? You're putting water in a pot. Now you have meat. All right, you still have meat and water in a pot. He put spices. So now you have meat, water, and spices in a pot. Then came the guy who brought the fire. And clearly bringing fire is prohibited on Shabbos. And then the guy comes and puts wood on the fire, which is serious stuff. And then came the guy and mixed it all. So the guy who brought the fire, the commentaries say, obviously he has his own issue, he brought fire. But that's not the cooking part. Who is liable for cooking the last two? The one who placed the wood on the fire, he's cooking the wood, and the one who, pay, who mixed the food. Only the last two, because the other ones did permissible acts. Again, a lot of discussion here, but we'll move forward. Five, if somebody places meat over coals. So now you have meat over hot coals. Chavez. If it's roasted, the volume, the size of a dried fig, which is that minimum volume we keep talking about. I feel the Bishnayim Rishleshim became even in two or three different places in the meat. Chayev, but the total is that volume, he's liable. But if the roasting was not affected on an area, at least the size of a dried fig. But all of it was half cooked. Chayev, he's still liable. If it's half cooked from one side, Potter is exempt. Until he turns it over, and the other side is also at least half cooked. What if somebody forgot? We learned in the earlier chapters about placing bread in an oven on Shabbos. You would stick the bread to the wall and then it would become uh, baked. It would sit there and absorb the heat. This is called Hidbik Pas Bishabas. So he obviously shouldn't have done it, but he did it. Meniskin, he remembered. What can he do? Can he take it right down? He can take it down before it's cooked. And he's going to violate. He can avoid that violation by pulling it out. Vov 6. 
A person who melts even the slightest amount of metal. A person who heats metal until it becomes a hot coal of metal. This is a derivative of the forbidden labor of cooking, and obviously it is forbidden. And similarly speaking, if a person melts wax, tallow, tar, brown tar, or pitch, or anything similar, this is a derivative of the forbidden labor of mevashel of cooking. And he's liable. And similarly speaking, if he heats up earthenware until it becomes a hard clay earthenware vessel, that's how you make it through heat. He's also liable for cooking. The general rule is whether one softens a firm substance with fire. Or one hardens a soft substance with fire. He's culpable. He's liable for the law of cooking. Now when we come to seven, up to now, up to now we dealt with the first 11 labors enumerated in chapter seven, which have to do with Sidura, the past, the order of baking and cooking. Now, as we enter into paragraph 7, we begin with the list of violations which have to do with the preparation of fabric enumerated in the beginning of chapter 7, 12 through 24, labors 12 through 24. If somebody shears wool or hair, whether it is from an animal or a beast, alive or dead, even if he removes these substances from skin, he's culpable, he's liable, because he is violating the commandment, the labor of gziza, shearing. This is the violation, violation number 12 in the Rambam's list, shearing. Kama shiri, how much does he have to shear? Kedelitves, mimenu chut, enough in order to be able to spin a thread, she'orkei, whose length is kirechav hasit kofel, Twice the width of a sit, which is the minimum measure for which one which is liable for performing the labors associated with making thread. That's nice. What's a sit? The kama reichav asit. What is the width of a sit? Or how long is this width? K'deilimtach min bayan shoyad ado etzbarishena k'sheyiftach beinayem b'chol k'echay. The distance from the thumb of the, to the first finger, when they're extended as far as possible, which is, I guess, 
something like this. This is approximately This is approximately two thirds of the measurement known as zeres. What's a zeres? A zeres is enumerated, is listed in the kahos chumash in the back, where he has all the listings as nine point four five inches. So if this is close to two thirds of nine point four five inches, so let's say it's. I'll round it off to six inches. If somebody tears off the wing of a bird, this would be the violation of a derivative of the transgression of shearing. Somebody who spins wool from a living animal, potter is exempt. She ain't because that's not usually how we shear. The ain't and niputz, which is violation number fourteen, beating is also not done usually on a line a live animal. The ain't and then we also have tviya, which is item. Number 16, spinning, none of these items are usually done on a living being. And he says here in the note that although the women prepared the goats here in the sanctuary, it was spun while it was on the goats themselves, as we say in the Chumash. But one is not liable for performing such an activity on Shabbos, because that's not how one ordinarily does it. It was a miraculous exception. Now comes an interesting law. I mean, they're all interesting. Can somebody cut his nails? A sorry or his hair? Can you trim your nails, pare your nails, or trim your hair? A spome or his mustache? A scone or his beard? On Shabbos, the answer is no. All of this is teledes, is an offshoot, a derivative of gezes, of shearing. Again, shearing is labor number 12. The chayev, and he's culpable, liable. Who that is, Shiyitobakli, if he does it with a vessel, with a nail clipper, with a scissors. If he did it by hand, whether for himself, or for someone else, Potter is not liable. If somebody cuts off a wart from his body, whether by hand or using a tool, Potter is exempt. Bein lay bein lacha for himself or for someone else. Umuta lachich lachtech yabelas b'migdash biyad in the base hamigdash. It was permissible to remove a wart by hand, avolei b'kli, but not with a vessel, because in the holy temple, this would be forbidden as a shvus, and there were no restrictions there of this kind. If it was dried, you can even remove it with a vessel in the base of Migdash and do the temple service. Again, the Rambam is unique for giving the laws of during the time the base of Migdash stood and afterwards. Nine, if somebody cuts his hair with a tool, with a utensil, how many hairs does he have to cut for the minimum to, to kick in as a transgression? The answer is, they side us two hairs. Not one hair, two hairs. However, if he is picking out 
a white hair. He's got all dark hairs, and he sees one white hair, and he picks it out. I feel the achas chayiv, even one, he would be culpable, because the intent here is not to trim or to cut. The intent here is to get rid of the white hair. He fulfilled his intent. By the way, in the laws of idolatry and idolatrous practices that Ambam talks about, that removing white hairs from dark are forbidden from men. Even during the weekday, because they're acting in manners which would be similar to the way a woman acts, or, and so on and so forth. A woman may pluck out a hair, a man may not pluck out a hair. This is not for this arena of discussion, but it has been touched upon earlier in the laws of idol worship, chapter 12, halacha 10. What if the majority of a nail has been split? Or a strip of flesh that began to peel. It happens. If they went upward, they hurt. It's permissible to remove it by hand. Not using a tool. If he did it with a tool, Potter is exempt because of the pain. But if they're not bothering him, it's even forbidden by hand. But if they're not mostly sticking up, but they're bothering him, they would, forbidden, would be forbidden to take them by hand. And in fact, if he took them with a vessel, he's liable and culpable. We have... One of the labors, labor number 13, is libun, whitening. Somebody who whitens wool, or flax. Linen. Or wool to be dyed crimson, like in the Chumash, the purple wool, the blue wool, the chen kol kayetzebohen. Or anything that is ordinarily whitened, Chayav, he's guilty. How much? Long enough to produce a thread twice the width of the seat. Which is four tvachim. A tepach is 3.5 inches. Somebody who launders and washes clothing. This is a derivative of whitening. And is culpable. And somebody who wrings out a garment. He squeezes the garment. He wrings it out until it gives warmth. It's water. This is laundering. And he's culpable. Wringing out a garment is part of the acts of washing, of laundering. Just as stirring is an important component in cooking. When we learned the cooking laws, we learned about stirring and stirring and stirring. So, wringing out water from a garment is part of laundering. Technically, there's no concept of wringing out hair, because hair does not truly absorb water. Or leather, there's no culpability, there's no liability when you squeeze it out. When somebody beats wool, 
What is Menapitz? Menapitz is labor number 14. It's called beating. It's all part of the process of working with materials. He beats the wool, or Hatzemer, or Hapishtin, or the linen, Ayasashoni, or the crimson. is culpable. how much? To make, to spin one thread, which is four Tvachim long. If he beats animal sinews, until they become like wool, because he wants to spin them. This is a derivative of menapets, of beating. And he's culpable. Yud Gimel 13, dying. Now we're, come to, now we're coming to labor number 15 in chapter 7. Which is called Hatsviya, dying. If somebody dies, a thread that's four handbreadths long, or something that you can make this length of a thread out of, Chayev is culpable. A person is not liable until he makes a permanent color change in the article, not something that will revert, chick chuck. But a non-lasting die. For example, Shehevir, he removed Sorok, a Sheshor Gabi Barzel, a Necheshes Utsvoi, who applies red clay or vermilion to iron or brass and colors it. He's not liable. Potter, he's exempt. Because it's only temporary. He's not really dying anything. Anything that doesn't have a permanent effect on Shabbos. Potter, he's not liable. That's one of the important principles of Shabbos. Has to have permanence. Has to be able to have permanence. 14. If somebody creates a color, it's a derivative of dying. Bechayev, Ketzer, how do you create color? We learned this extensively in the laws of Torah, Tfilm, and Mezuzah, ink. If he took galna juice and put it into vitriol, which becomes black, or he put istus, which is a plant producing a deep blue, Into saffron water, shanasa hakolyotik, which creates green. What's the amount? To dye a thread that's four handbreadths long. Now we come to fifteen. Hateve, somebody who spins. That's labor number sixteen in the beginning of chapter seven. Spinning. Something that has four handbreadths length. From anything that is spinnable, he's culpable. Whether it's wool, or linen, or camels here, goats here, or animal sinews. Hareze tildes tviya v'chayev. 
If he makes felt, he's liable for performing a derivative of spinning. I'm sorry, I think it's Leved. If it's long enough to spin a thread of ordinary thickness, that's four handbreadths long, that's the detailed application. Now we get into a whole group of transgressions here, 17, making heddles, 18, mounting the warp, which is part of the process. Asiyas hanidin an hanesachas hamasecha, 17 and 18. Ha'esha shnei bote nidin, a person who makes two heddles, chayob is liable. Ha'esha nofa ekvoda, if somebody makes a sifter, a strainer, a shesorag mito bachabolim, or a hairnet with rope, hareze teldes eisen nirin, it's a derivative of heddles, making heddles. Umeshiyasa shnei botim be'echad mikol elu, and when he makes two frames of any one of these, chayab is culpable. V'chein kolo eisa shnei botin nidin b'dabash eisen eisi botim botim kigain elu chayab. If a person makes two frames of any object that is made frame by frame, like these heddles, he's culpable. Earlier, when we learned about this, we showed a picture from the Moznayim Rambam. 17, Derech Ergin weavers, their usual process is, that they stretch out the threads of the warp to the desired length and width of the fabric. Two hold it, one from one side, one from the other. A person beats the thread with a rod, and aligns them, so they lie one next to the other, until they become warp threads without the whoop threads. Extending the threads as the weavers do, he is called mounting the warp, which is one of the labors. And the one who extends it, Nikra is called Mesach. The one who does it is called setting. Setting the warp. And then when you bend it and insert the woof between the warp, this is called Eireg weaving. And that's the process. See, we buy things in clothing stores and we have no idea how this stuff is done. But it's a whole process. That's how you put, you make garments is you have the thread going in different directions. And you make material. 18, Hamesach, the person who mounts the warp, Chayev is liable. It's a major violation of Shabbos. It's a primary labor. The 
the one who beats the threads until they separate. And then a line, Hareza tell this Mesach, this is derivative of mounting the warp. The Kamashiri, how much? Enough which is two fingers worth. So also a person who weaves two threads of a fabric. Two finger breadths of width. Whether one began the weaving of the garment or whether one wove two additional threads on a garment that has already begun to be weaved. But if he wove only a single thread but completed the garment by doing it, then he is culpable. If he weaves two threads, a width of three frames at the end of a fabric, he's liable. To what can this be compared to weaving a thin belt three frames wide? 19. A person who straightens the threads and separates them in the weaving process. This is a derivative of weaving. And going back to the list, weaving is number 19 in the Rambam's list here. Arigo. Weaving. Whether one removes the wolf from the warp or the warp from the wolf, he is culpable. As long as he's not destroying it. He's fixing his building. As they do, because there are people who mend tears in very light garments. Shabetzin v'acharkach ma'achen. First they undo the weave, and then they mend the garments. V'chezin v'egen chutim shabotzu. And then they reweave the threads that they undid. Until they become one. So therefore, when he undoes something to fix it, for example, undoing a braid for the sake of fixing and performing the labor, this is a derivative of Beitzeya. How does it tell us Beitzeya? And the minimum measure is the same. This would mark end of chapter 9.